0: welcome back to bougie black therapist podcast I'm your host Montoya McGowan a licensed clinical social worker um, in Memphis Tennessee I originally started this podcast out because um, a only 5% of psychotherapists in the US are black or therapists of color and uh, We need to see each other. We need to support each other. And initially, I started out talking about all things mental health, all things mental wellness. But as time has grown, I have found that we also have to include conversations about entrepreneurship, conversations about other supports that therapists need and how as adults we also need a community in order to live out God's will because we're all interdependent. We need each other. So thank you for coming. Um, I hope that you choose to like, share and subscribe. If you hear something that resonates with you, please say something in the comments and I will be sure to follow up with you. So today let's get started. Today's topic is the angry black woman and I have a very 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 close friend of mine who is helping me with um, doing my uh, blogs and also what I call the bougie boundaries mini magazine. And this is a topic that I shared with her and we kind of staffed it and discussed some things about it. And so I give her the bones and she adds the meat to it. And so last night we had a conversation and she expressed to me that she was really personally struggling with um, putting in the meat for the blog and our mini magazine because she was feeling triggered. And so we talked through that, but at the same time, I started to feel triggered about some things too, so it turned into a girlfriend chit-chat. And I think we both wished that we had had like maybe something to drink or something so we could chill and not be so angry or frustrated about being having to even be labeled as the angry black girl. So, um, I had an experience a little while ago, And I was one of a few people of color. And I, this is kind of like a new space for me because I am from Memphis and I grew up in the inner city part of Memphis. And so I really haven't experienced personal relationships with uh, people who are not of color. for extended periods of time where we're having like friendships and relationships. And so me learning how to navigate this space outside of work has had has caused me to have to be more insightful about myself and pay more attention to how I feel and also how when I'm around certain people, how I feel about myself. And I also have to have people that I can have Challenging or uncomfortable conversations with to help me process this. The only time I've really experienced um, being around people who are not of color is usually in workspaces. I worked at a government hospital and it was extremely uh, racist And everything about the whole facility, the whole place was based off of racism and privilege. And at the end of me working that job, I learned that me having these debilitating panic attacks was because I was suppressing feelings, and I didn't know how to process them. I wasn't sure if the feelings that I was feeling were valid. And I didn't really even know how to express what I was feeling, or have safe space where there was somebody who could understand or help me understand the feelings that I was feeling. And so I would suppress how I felt for the benefit of Not wanting to to disrupt the workplace, not wanting to disrupt the atmosphere, also being worried about how will people perceive me because I used to pride myself on being a very nice person, pride myself on being a very kind person. And um, so I've had to learn the difference between being nice and being kind, but I suppressed a lot for the benefit of other people. And then the flip side of that is I am a recovering codependent. So I suppress my feelings for the benefit of others on a regular basis, not so much anymore. But I had to learn how to do that. And that's where bougie boundaries and bougie energy came in at. So um, after this experience that I had a few weeks ago, I was trying to figure out why do I feel rock hard? Why does my body feel tight? Why does my body feel tense? Um, I even had some unexplainable hip pain that just came out of nowhere. And then my back pain was worse than it normally is. And... I was I was mad that I was mad. And then I started to feel rage and I was trying to explore. So one thing I like to talk to my clients about, I am a psychotherapist. Most of the clients that I see are entrepreneurs and working professionals who struggle with being the strong friend or they struggle with people pleasing. And so um, I was experiencing some things and I could not figure out like what, where it was coming from. And so with my clients, one thing that I like to talk to them about is don't be afraid of triggers. Because if you think of a trigger, like on a gun, you know, you pull the trigger and then the bullet comes out and the bullet goes somewhere. So the trigger is an indicator. The trigger, a trigger is an indicator. An indicator is a feeling. A feeling is a resource and that resource tells you, something happened, we don't like it, what is this telling us and what do we need to do about it? A lot of times we have an event or we have a thought and then we do something and then we come back and process the trigger. But what we're actually supposed to do in a healthy way is, somebody says something or you have a thought or an event happens, Process how you feel and then decide what to do next. And so, me following the triggers and figuring out how I really felt, I keep a feelings wheel in my purse. because we don't really know sometimes how we feel we don't have an extensive vocabulary of feelings we know mad happy sad upset in some kind of way in some kind of way i love saying some kind of way because it's not even really a feeling it's just my some kind of way could be completely different from your some kind of way so it's up for you know the the other person's perspective And so I keep a feelings wheel in my purse. It's just a little card that has a lot of different feelings on it. And I'm like, hmm, how do I really feel? And I was like, oh, wait, I feel rage. Yes, I feel rage. So now I'm figuring out like when I feel rage, what does that feel like for me in my body? It feels like tension that I can't get rid of. Um, I feel it in my shoulders. I feel it in my hips and i also definitely feel it in my face and sometimes back here at the back of my head and i also feel like i want to push somebody down off a mountain and just stand there and watch them but i don't want no water to be close by though because I don't want it to be any possibility of them being saved. And I don't want no road to be close to there either. Because I don't want no car driving by. When I feel rage, that's what I feel. Not that I actually would do something like that. However, I have to be okay with the shadow self. And so I went and had a Reiki session. Because I said, this energy, I can't get it to leave. I can't get it out of my body. And we... So our thoughts are energy and energy never dies. So if you don't give that energy a place to go, it gets stuck in the fibers of us and finding healthy ways to get rid of that energy um, or the rage is something that causes you to you know, explore what self care for you when you're not feeling good. So I went and had a Reiki session and I, I told him the feeling that I was feeling and During that session, I felt my leg going numb. I felt my toes going numb and I could feel like the tension in my hip lessening and I could feel it moving down my leg. And when I got done, it wasn't nearly as intense as it was at first. And so what the Reiki master was telling me that, um, he said, when you feel rage, You have to understand that it's usually connected to you feeling passionate about something and exploring what is it that you're passionate about and then intentionally repurposing that rage into passion. So sitting with myself and asking myself questions and talking about, you know, what, why was I, what was I passionate about and how did that passion turn into rage? And One of the things that I came up with was I felt rage because I felt like I had to suppress how I was feeling for fear of being seen as the angry black girl. And because of the space that I was in, it was definitely a white privilege space. And I was feeling rage because I felt like the things that were important to me were being dismissed or my presence was making someone feel as if they needed to act territorial. And where I was, I didn't want to affect the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? I didn't want uh, to affect the experience, negatively affect the experience of other people that were there. And so I felt like I needed to, Suppress my feelings. But when I got back home, my feelings was like, hey, we still here. So what's up? What we going to do? Um, you didn't get a chance to push anybody off the mountain. So here we are. What's up? So um, my friend, we talked about the blog and the newsletter being about the angry black girl. And she struggled with it because she said, it's not something that we have control over. It's not something, it's the perspective of other people. And so as the, you know, quote unquote, angry black girl, what am I supposed to do? So I told her, one of the things that we have to do is start to pay attention to um, what is it that we have control over? We we found this graphic. I found this graphic some years ago and the graphic showed the progression of when a black woman enters the workplace to when she actually leaves, quits or gets fired. And the process was coined. um, I can't remember the girl's name, but it's called when a black woman goes from being a pet to a threat. People hire you because they think you're wonderful. They think you're awesome. They see your light and they see how you you and your presence can benefit whatever it is that they have going on. Not our problem. But when they start to get to know you and they realize like, wait, oh, she has desires and expectations for herself as well. And they don't know how to handle that because their intentions actually had nothing to do with you. Then when you say, I don't like this this actually isn't okay with me. Um, I don't want to do that. And so them seeing you have desires and expectations for yourself looks as if you are being, um, combative. It looks like you are no longer going with the flow. And so now instead of you being my spirit animal, um, you're a threat. And so that's where the term going from being a a pet to a threat came from. And this is something that black women deal with in a lot of spaces. And we don't know how to explain it. We don't know how to help people understand. But it's also not our responsibility other than letting people know I have rules of engagement for me. These are my desires and expectations for me. If you want to have access to me, this is what I need from you. The problem with that also is these in some of these places, they decide your quality of life because they may decide whether or not you get paid. They decide on whether or not they're going to say you can't come to work anymore or because you're not going along with working one weekend a month, even though we told you, you never have to work weekends. Um, that affects how you are able to take care of yourself and your family. So having to suppress your feelings, whoo, the rage comes. And <laughs> it's like, where's the mountain? You wanna go on a hike with me? <laughs> so I have some I wrote down some things that we can uh, as the the angry black woman can start to do to help us process and focus on the things that we have control over. Uh, I would also like to mention that this also can go for the angry black man, too, because they have a completely different uh, plight than we do. Don't be tall and dark skinned it is really going to be a struggle for them. And so um, we're not angry. We are sad. Um, We are um, restless. We are um, upset because we feel dismissed. We feel left out. We feel abandoned. We feel unseen. We feel unheard. We feel unvalued. We feel all of the negative things but it may look like or show up as anger, but it could even be that we are physically and or mentally tired, but we're not angry. And calling somebody an angry person without exploring what the underlying feeling is, is gaslighting and it's also extremely dismissive and it's an opportunity for people to use it as an excuse as to why, We don't want to have to deal with you because if you're not pleasant, then we really don't want you around. So um, for the angry, quote unquote, person, radical acceptance. And I say radical acceptance because um, it is what it is and it isn't what it isn't. And no longer accepting uh, people. But I say no longer making excuses for people or allowing them to focus on the potential of the possibility of the relationship. So radical acceptance is accepting that this is what it is and understanding that. There's going to be some mourning and some grief that comes along with that, because when we enter in certain situations and we enter in certain Um, relationships or business relationships our intentions are different from what other people's intentions were and knowing that this relationship may have to end or it may change can make you um, be really sad and there's there's especially if there was love there so what am I supposed to do with the love and so you just repurpose those feelings but accepting this is what it is, not what it could be or what it used to be. What is it right now in this moment? And how does this make me feel? And what do I want to do next about it? <clears throat> um, I said this before, pay attention to how you feel about yourself when you are around certain people. And allowing your feelings to be your um, intuition and your gut And allowing that to help you decide on what to do next. I did a, um, I hosted a conversation at a barbershop a few days ago. And they were talking about how, um, how do you work through feeling numb? Like you're always numb. And I said, we get comfortable with feeling numb because we think that's how we're supposed to feel. That's, we think that's how we're supposed to go through life and you become numb because you're disconnected from your feelings and you're oftentimes disconnected from your body because you don't have time to feel. And the more you push through that, it's almost like you create this layer of um, protection but it causes you to be disconnected from being able to use your good and being able to use your intuition because you won't feel. And our feelings are a resource. God gave them to us for a reason. And so I, I really think that feelings are a gift, but culturally as a um, generational coping skill, when you're trying to find um a place to, to run away to, you can't have no feelings. Harriet Tubman is like, we don't have time for feelings. <laughs> and so that's passed down as generational coping skills. You know, feelings are unsafe. Feelings will get you killed. And so we're in a place and time in life now to where we're having to unlearn a lot of things that we were taught that were a part of coping skills, but it's no longer needed. So learning how to feel and also increasing your window of tolerance for negative feelings so that you can get to the other side can help you do a better job of um, helping people understand exactly how you feel and why you feel and working through feeling like you're numb. Um. Locus of control. Locus of control is what do I have the ability to manipulate the outcome for? Um, you can't uh, change how somebody thinks. You can't change um, the the policies or the politics of a workplace in a lot of ways. You like focus on the things that you can change, and then. Um, Pray for the wisdom to know the difference between the things that you can change and the things that you have to just accept. And when you know the difference between those things, then you can do a better job of understanding what it is you need to focus on. If you're stuck in traffic, you don't have any control over when you're going to get out of traffic. And so accepting that I may be late or I may not be able to do um, what I had planned to do. I remember one night we were going to a Jill Scott concert and an accident happened and we were stuck in traffic for three hours. When the, the, the traffic cleared up, we just turned around and went back home. I mean, because the concert was over. So what could we do? We couldn't get mad. We couldn't get upset. We had no control over that. So, I mean, it wasn't the concert's fault, so you can't get your money back. It was nobody's fault other than this is just what happened and just, like, allowing yourself to be okay and pivot as needed. But a lot of the the clients that come to see me for therapy, 80 to 90% of the issues that my clients have, the strong friend, their issues don't even belong to them. This is somebody else's stuff. And so now they're learning how to pull back, how to process what's mine, um, what's not mine, and what do I just need to choose to be curious about as far as how things turn out. Um, breathe. I read this book uh, called The Science of Breath when I was learning yoga. Um, I'm a... 200 hour certified yoga instructor. And the book said that if we, if one generation of people breathe correctly, we can eradicate over 90% of the diseases that we have. Cause we're not breathing. We're not breathing deeply. We're not breathing. We're supposed to breathe through our nose. That's why we have the hair in our nose. Uh, we're not supposed to breathe through our mouths because we don't have hair in our mouths to help <laughs> protect the air that's coming in. Um, and also breathe through your stomach and not through your through your shoulders, because breathing through your stomach and it's called diaphragmatic diaphragmatic breathing through your stomach, up through your esophagus Um Pushing air out and pushing pushing air in helps to oxygenate our blood. So if we don't breathe deep enough, you're not oxygenating your blood. And the blood flow is needed for mental clarity. And it's also definitely needed for heart health, which everything else is connected to those things. Um, so not breathing deeply could definitely affect stuff. Sometimes if you're having a moment and you just decide to stop and take five deep belly breaths, you can think a little bit more clearly and you're not as angry or frustrated or upset. I remember when I first started learning, uh, when I got my first trainer, I think in like 2010, I started to realize that when I were at, whenever I was mad or angry or pissed off about something, if I went to the gym first, and got on the treadmill and worked out. When I left, whatever it was that I was really frustrated or angry about, I was able to make better decisions. And so for almost a whole year, I wouldn't make any real decisions until after I came from the gym. I'm weird like that. It worked. <laughs> I should probably be doing it now. I forget. <laughs> that might help me. Um, also... There's more room out than in. So movement creates motion. Movement moves emotion through our body. And so if you don't do something to get those feelings out and move them through, they get stuck and they can turn into your your thoughts and your feelings can actually make you sick. And if they can make you sick, then they can also make you well. So what you choose to focus on is what you will actually be feeding your body. I won't go into detail about the cortisol and stuff, but paying attention to your thoughts can definitely help. <clears throat> um, choosing bougie energy. the My before five about bougie boundaries, because a lot of the clients that I have, when I found myself saying often, Um, Girl, you got some ghetto boundaries. Your boundaries are way too ghetto for all the stuff that you're doing. Like all of these people have access to you. Every time somebody call you, you answer the phone. Every time somebody texts or email you, you're responding to all of these notifications. You don't have control over any aspect of your life. And so you need some rules of engagement. You need some desires and expectations for how You choose to allow people to have access to you. And so when you start working on your healing journey and you realize the value that you have without you having to hustle for it, it should be a luxury for people to have access to you. When you know your value, it should be a luxury for people to to even be able to talk to you, to get something from you, for you to respond to them. And um. Not to be conceited, but, you know, when you have value, I mean, if you're Beyonce, Beyonce is not responding to all of y'all calls and text messages. She actually pretends like she didn't see any of them if she actually sees them. Um, But if you're going to be the Beyonce of your world, it doesn't mean that you're acting like you're all that or you're being conceited. You are protecting your energy you can't let everything and everybody pull at your energy because your energy is so valuable that you need it for these other aspects of your life so that you can focus. <clears throat> and that affects your body too. Um, I had a friend who he said that on Fridays after five and Mondays before nine, he does not open up any emails I did it last week it felt good too he does not open up any emails and he does not respond to any text messages that he has no intentions of handling so leave it there because these are your hours of i am taking care of me i am shutting down and so what happens is if you respond to people every time they reach out to you they're going to start to feel like they're entitled to your time They're going to start to feel like they're entitled to your energy. So if somebody texts you at midnight and you respond, oh, so now they know that I can text him at any time. I can call you at any time. But if you respond tomorrow at nine, you say, hey, just checking in with you about your text message. What's up? And they say, man, I called you last night. Yeah, I was not available. So, you know, now, if you call me at nighttime, I'm not available. I don't care if I'm watching TV. I don't care if you do see me strolling on Facebook. I don't care if you see me commenting on social media. I'm not available. I choose not to give my energy to that. There was somebody in my life um, where every time they called me, they needed something. So what I started doing was I would call them back three days later intentionally hey sorry i missed your call what's up with you i don't need you now i gotta take care of what (laughs) okay good for you how are the kids what's new and uh it worked and eventually they kind of stopped calling because they would ask for stuff i'm just like wow you want to borrow my credit score yeah i don't want to do that yeah nah i think it should work it out on your own without me. Um, Also, don't take it personally. Um, Some people have strategies for your life and they have strategies that include you. And it's not that there's something wrong with you, it's oftentimes that people see your light and they see your gifts more than you do. And they might see that you're not using them to the full advantage. So let me use it. You know, you heard the term, the the employee who does the best at work gets the most work. It's that way in every arena of our lives. If your uh, big mama know that you're the grandkid that's going to get it done, then she's always going to call you. She ain't going to never call little run Ron because little run run ain't going to never get it right. You're not going to bring her what she asked for from the store. But even in that, you have to find out how to manage your energy unless you are going to be okay with being the one that takes care of everything, being the one that responds to everything. And so don't take it personal. This is just what people do. And so because this is what people do, you have to manage how you want to engage, manage how you choose to respond and then give yourself permission to implement those things, implement the rules of engagement that you have decided for whatever chapter you're in in your life. And that can be scary Because people may withhold their love from you. People may decide that they don't wanna deal with you anymore. People may call you mean. And um, people may call you bougie because, you know, being bougie was usually people being sarcastic. And now I'm just like, girl, yeah, (laughs) I am. It ain't for everybody. You can't, I'm not a a Michael Kors in the Raw store. You're gonna have to come to the store that I'm in and get permission to go to the back to see the purse up on the shelf. But you got to go through a whole vetting process to actually even come in the store. And so it can be scary and your surroundings may change. The people that deal with you may get quiet and they may also even like start to use some terms uh, to gaslight you. You've never done this before. You weren't like that last time and you've been doing it. Well, I'll do that no more. That's not what I want to do. That's not who I choose to be. That's not who I, um, how I want to show up or how I choose to live my life. And so these are the updated rules. Uh, can you handle them? And if you can't, then, hey, we had a good run. And so if you get to a point to where um, it's really scary or too scary and you need some help, or you need some support. You need somebody to bounce ideas off of. You need somebody to process these thoughts and process these feelings because it gets uncomfortable for a while. I like to tell people that it's kind of like when you have acne and you working on your acne, but it gotta come to the surface to the point to where like it gotta pop out, you gotta clean it up because the acne doesn't just go away. It has to come to the surface and then you're going to have some scars and then you're going to have some stuff that's going to help you take care of that. Um, Learning how to have healthy boundaries, learning how to have bougie boundaries and understanding that it's okay for you to have bougie boundaries and bougie energy. And hey, if you call me the angry black girl because I said I don't like that, I don't want to do this. Um, I'm not okay with how things are going. Then, okay, that's just for them. That's you have to understand that that's somebody choosing to try to gaslight you and having a temper tantrum into convincing you that what you feel and what you think is not actually what you feel and what you think. So, um, journaling is a great way to work through that. Having healthy conversations with people who are not going to go out of their way to make you feel guilty or ashamed about how you feel, um, that is helpful. And lastly, which is my favorite, um, you can always go to therapy. Therapy is a great place to go to process things. The eyes doesn't have, um, your, your heart doesn't have eyes and your heart can't tell time. So go into therapy to release things that feel like a paperweight, even if it was from years ago knowing that it's not going to be used as a weapon against you and you can't lose your job and they're not going to withhold their love from you. Therapy is a great place to get those things out so that you can continue to be the person that you want to be and show up how you want to show up. Um, Because anger. Anger can make you sick. Um, Rage can make you sick, but having conversations that can help you learn how to. Uh, reprocess those feelings to where you can use them to increase your physical and emotional quality of life. Um, is something that should be an investment for you. So I am Lance William McGowan, bougie Black Therapist, owner and um, chief therapist of stopping the Chase Counseling and Consulting. You can find me on uh, Instagram, you can find me on TikTok, and you can also find me on Facebook. Um, I appreciate you if you've made it through this whole entire conversation, and I hope that you have heard something that has made you feel seen, made you feel heard, made you feel validated. And if you do, um, will you please do me a favor? Will you like, share, and subscribe? Until next time, this is Montoya McGowan, Bougie Black Therapist Podcast.